Good morning. We're reading from um, 1 John, um, chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promises us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Thanks, Phil. Please keep your Bibles open at uh, that passage. Now, uh, this weekend is, of course, the, uh, the KIC Youth uh, Conference weekend, and so our youth and uh, leaders are away up at Katoomba uh, with that. Um, our six to eight uh, Bible study, which normally happens during the sermon, is not happening today because um, those who are in the year seven and eight um, will be away there. So um, there are year sixes here. You get to, uh, to stay in church for the sermon today. Um, <clears throat> can I have a show of hands? Who would describe themselves as a runner? Or someone who has run or does some running sometimes. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah there, are, there are runners here. Um, or maybe who once upon a time, you know, went for a run. Yeah, yeah, we've got to, yeah, we've got um, What about people who've competed in, um, in running races? Yeah, school, yeah, that's even more people. There you go. Um, now, interestingly, running has actually grown in popularity over recent decades. Um, it's much more mainstream now to, to describe yourself as a runner than it used to be. Uh, used to be somewhat weird. Um, now, to illustrate that shift in attitudes to running, there's a, there's a quote from the movie Back to the Future Part 3 where Doc goes back to 1885 and he's talking to some locals in a pub there about, about what life in the future is like back in you know, 1995 and this is what happens. If everybody's got one of these auto watches, uh, does anybody walk or run anymore? Of course they run, but for recreation. Fun. Run for fun? What the hell kind of fun is that? 
Now, maybe you can, uh, you can relate to that, run for fun. Um, now, there are, of course, different types of, of running. Um, there's, you know, there's sprints, there's middle distance, there's long distance. Um, you might know that I, uh, I'm, I'm a runner. Uh, I do run for fun. Um, and I'm, I'm currently training to do my first, uh, my first proper road marathon uh, later this year, God willing. Uh, so I guess that does put me in the, the category of long distance running. Now, the thing with long distance running, with a long distance race, is the, the easy bit is, is starting. I mean, anyone can, can start a long distance race. What's much harder is finishing. It takes perseverance, it takes endurance, it takes patience. And along the way, you face you face challenges, you face opposition, whether they're external challenges like other competitors or the weather conditions or the terrain, or whether it's internal challenges, psychological challenge, the, the battle to just to keep going when things are tough. Long distance running can be tough. Now, living as a Christian in this world has and is, in the scriptures, likened to a long-distance race. In fact, there's a number of Bible passages that, that make that connection. Let me give you a sample of them. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1, the passage I read at uh, the start of church today, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Well, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Well, Galatians 5.7, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Acts 20.24, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the, ta- complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Well, 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I've fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So living as a Christian in this world is like running a long distance race. How can we do that well? How can we run such that we finish the race? Well, one key thing about running, about running a race is is understanding the goal. Understanding it, it has a start, it has a finish and that it's actually going somewhere. There is a goal, there is a destination, there is an, an end point. And that goal, that, that destination, that drives you, that motivates you, that helps you to understand the race and to shape how you run. So as Christians, we need to understand the nature of the race and the end point, the goal of the race that we're running. You might be thinking, why is John talking about running? I didn't see any running in 1 John 2. That's true. There isn't. It's not actually mentioned there, but I think the parallel is there is that there is that, that end point that we've got to, to, to keep our eyes fixed on. It says there in verse 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This is the key truth to understand that, that the world and its desires are passing away. This, this world is not an ever-enduring constant. It's actually coming to an end. In fact, verse 18 describes the time in which we live as the last hour. We're living in this this last hour, heading towards the end, to to the world and its desires passing away. But what does John mean by the world? Well, it's more than just planet Earth, this, this place. John uses the phrase the world as a, as a significant theme throughout this letter. And the world represents evil opposition to God. 
the world is the domain of the evil one. You see that over in uh, chapter 5, verse 19, where it says, uh, we know uh, that, the, that, the, that, sorry, that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Or back in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Furthermore, the, the world represents uh, hatred of believers in, th- in chapter 3, verse 13. And, and here in chapter 2, the desires of the world are opposite to the desires or the will of God. Look there in verse 16, where the world is characterized by love, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. These come not from the Father, but from the world. So the world represents evil opposition to God and his ways. And the world, it says, and its desires are passing. Now that same, world, same word passing is used uh, earlier in chapter 2 to talk about uh, darkness. It says in 2 verse 8, because the darkness is passing and the true light, sorry, um, there we are, and the true light is already shining. So we, as Christians, we need to understand the time in which we're living this last hour. That is, we live in the world, the world in opposition to God, the world in which there is much darkness and hatred and sin, but this world, this darkness is passing. It's coming to an end. It is the last hour. It's like Ben said a few weeks ago in his, his excellent sermon on uh, living in the last days. He uh, had these uh, amazing slides and uh, this, this one illustrates where we are. We are in the last days. This world, its desires are passing. They're heading towards the last day, the final day of judgment. But because of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, the true light has begun to shine, as 2 verse 8 says. The new age of the the kingdom of God, the resurrection age, has begun. And so we live in this, this overlap of the ages, an overlap that will continue until Jesus returns, when the world as we know it will pass away, when he will bring judgment, when he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. So we live in the overlap of the age, the last days, or as this passage says, the last hour. So how should we live in this time as we we run the race towards the end? Well, God's word says simply here, do not love the world or anything in the world. That is, don't fill your heart with love for the, the things of this world, the, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the desires and the pride of life. Because actually that stuff doesn't come from God, it comes from the world. And the world and its desires, all that stuff is passing away. And this world that, that John speaks of, this is our world. The world in which, which we live, I mean, our world is obsessed with the, the lusts of the flesh, with sex and sensuality and satisfying the desires of the flesh however we can. It's obsessed with the lust of the eyes, the insatiable desire to, to have more, to, to consume, to possess. With the pride of life, boasting in our life, in what we have, in what we do. This is the world. This is, this is our world. And I guess in response to to God's word to us this morning, we need to ask, well, 
Do we love the world and the things in this world? God's word warns us, it commands us not to love the world. So we ought to ask, what is it that we love? Do we lust after getting the, the nice stuff? The, do we take pride in the nice stuff that we have? Do we, does that captivate our hearts, our desires, our ambitions? Do we love some sinful craving? Do we harbour some secret lust that we indulge in? God's word says to Christians to not love the world or anything in the world. Because if you know Christ, then you know the Father. Your sins have been forgiven. You've overcome the evil one, as I said last week in those verses earlier in chapter 2. We know the Father. Our sins have been forgiven. We have overcome the evil one, so don't love the world. Love for the world is incompatible with love for the Father. And the two loves will lead in very different directions with different outcomes. If you, if you put yourself in the world's camp, you're passing away. If you put yourself in God's camp, the, the one who does the will of God lives forever. So as we're running the race in this last hour, as we're living as God's people, how are we to live? We're not to love the world or anything in the world. What does that look like in practice? I mean, as we live in this world, does, does it mean that we need to, to leave the world and live in some kind of monastery or, or religious commune? No. We, we live in this world, but our love is not for this world. Our love is for the Father and to engage in, in his mission to see people come to salvation through Jesus. So we live in the world, but we live as foreigners, as strangers in the world. We don't, we don't belong to this world in its opposition to God. Our belonging, our citizenship, as, as it says in Philippians, is with God and his kingdom. Secondly, not, not loving the world, well, that, that doesn't mean that we, you know, we mustn't enjoy life. We mustn't enjoy the good things that God gives us. I mean, this isn't some kind of call to be, to be miserable. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 speaks of God richly providing us with everything for our enjoyment. It's right to enjoy the good gifts of God's provision as we live in this world, whilst not worshipping those things or putting our hope in those things. But living in the world and enjoying the, God, the good gifts of God is, is different to loving this world and the things of this world. So the thing to, to ask ourselves is, where is our allegiance? Is it to our Heavenly Father to, to pursue His will, to remain in His ways, to, to run towards His kingdom? Is that our primary allegiance? Or are we running off course, pursuing the, the things of this world in, in opposition to God and His will? Pursuing our own pleasure, our own affluence, our own self-importance, as if we are what matters most. And if you're straying down down that path, hear the word of God, which calls us to, to not love the world or anything in the world and, and warns us of the outcome, the future that the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So as we run this race, we need to know that, that life in this last hour is about loving the Father, not the world, and not the things of this world.
But secondly, we need to know that this last hour is a time of, of opposition. It's a time when, in which antichrists come. Now, who are these antichrists? Maybe you think of you know, the antichrist as some great end-time evil world leader. Well, verse 19 says they're people who've left the church. They've left the fellowship of God's people. They went out from us. Verse 22 says that they're people who deny that Jesus is the Christ, people who deny the Father and the Son. So these antichrists, they're people who have drifted from the truth of the gospel as it's been taught from the beginning. They deny that Jesus is the Christ, that he's God come in the flesh, as, as uh, chapter 4 verse 2 says. Uh, they no longer belong to the fellowship of believers and so they've left. They went out from us, as John says, verse 19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now what this means is that that being part of the church belonging is clearly not enough. There can be people who seemingly belong, but they don't really know or believe the truth. And in time, that becomes clear as it did in the case of some of John's readers. Sadly, I've seen this, this happen as, as people drift and leave the fellowship of, of God's people. Relationship with God is is more than belonging to a church. It must be based on believing in Christ. I think this is a warning to anyone who thinks, well, they're okay with God simply because they belong to a church. I want to say, if that's you, if you think that you're okay with God because you belong to this church, well, you're not yet a Christian. In fact, it's more likely that you are an anti-Christian, if I can put it that way. If you, if you continue in that path of thinking is, oh, it's just about belonging, you'll sooner or later drift and will seemingly belong, sorry, from seemingly belonging to the fellowship of Christ's people. You need to believe in Christ, put your trust in him, follow him. This warns us that it's, it's about believing, not just belonging. But it also warns us that as Christians, we'll face the threat of false teaching, of false influences, teaching that, that wants to move on from, from you know, the, the Christian uh, gospel, to move on to, to bigger and to better things, seemingly. Teaching that moves away from the truth about Jesus, that, that redefines Jesus, that redefines sin, that redefines judgment, that redefines the gospel. Teaching that in the end becomes anti-Christ. Denying that Jesus is the Christ, God come in the flesh as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the thing about false teaching is it's, it's always subtle. Well, it's usually subtle. I mean, people don't usually stand up and say, hey, I'm a false teacher, uh, I've moved on from the gospel. It's very easy to spot if they do that. It's usually more subtle. And it's why we need to, we need to test what's being taught against God's word. It's why our habit here at church is to have our Bibles open and to be, to be looking at the Bible as, as we're being taught, to, to measure up what is being taught against the Bible. It's why we need to be reading the Bible ourselves and, and be shaped by the Bible. You need to do that so that you can, can make sure that you're being taught what the Bible says. We must be people of the Word of God. We have the truth and we must stick to the truth. 
which is what John tells his readers. He, he says he's, that he's writing to them because there's, well, there's those who are trying to lead them astray, verse 26, and he reminds them of what they have. Look there, verse 20, he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Now, there's two things here, and the two go together. Take the second one first. He says, All of you know the truth. He says, verse 21, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. He says, don't be, be put off by these false teachers if they say, look, you, you haven't really got the truth. No, you, you need the, the new improved Jesus, version 2.0. Or maybe they say, look, you, you don't really need Jesus at all. You, you, you need Buddha or Muhammad or some other new age guru. Or, or you need our church or our organisation or our religion. Or you need our culturally endorsed ideology. That's the way forward. Now, I think at this point, we, we need to be careful of the desire for newness and novelty. Uh, by nature, we love novelty. I mean, our, our, our culture is obsessed with it. I mean, I, I like novelty. Give me something new, a new gadget, a new experience, a new idea. You know, novelty is, is prized by our culture, and I think it's prized by our hearts. We need to be wary of novelty when it comes to Christian truth. We don't need something new. We need to be reminded to stick with the truth that we already know, that we already have, that we've had since the beginning, and to not be drawn away from it. Which is what John says here. He says, don't be put off. You've already got the real thing. I'm not writing to enlighten you. I'm just reminding you of the truth, which you already have. He says, you can spot the truth, and you can spot a liar. And so verse 22, he says, who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. John says, stick to what you know. And he continues, verse 24, as you see, uh, sorry, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Remain in what you have heard from the beginning, rest assured, you have the truth. Keep running in it. The other thing John says, you already have, back in verse 20, is, you know, all of you know the truth. But the other thing he says is, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, what's this anointing? Well, verse 27, this anointing is received from him, the Father, remains in you and it teaches you about all things and while it doesn't explicitly say it here it's pretty clear this is talking about the holy spirit uh, there's a similar passage in john's gospel where where jesus tells his disciples that the father will send the holy spirit the, the advocate the counselor who will come to them he says uh, in john 14 26 but the advocate I think it's the next slide, is it there? Yep. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, similarly, in John 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the, the Spirit of truth, comes, sorry, I think it's the next slide, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the Holy Spirit had a similar role in teaching and reminding Jesus' first disciples of his word, guiding them into all truth. 
And here in 1 John, he says, as Christians, we all have an anointing that teaches us, that leads us to, to know and embrace the truth. So we can rest assured we have God's Spirit, an anointing from God the Holy One. What a blessing that is. Now, there's a play on words here. Um, you might know the word Christ means anointed one or Messiah in Hebrew. John says, don't be led astray by these antichrists, these anti-anointed ones. You have the real anointing. You have the real Christ. God's Holy Spirit remains in you and you, verse 27, do not need anyone to teach you. You don't need some new teacher to bring you the new and improved way. You already have the truth. You have a teacher from God. Friends, if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, God coming in the flesh as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, if our trust is in him, then we have God's Holy Spirit in us teaching us the truth of God's word. What an awesome privilege that is. We have both God's word in black and white and we have his Holy Spirit helping us, teaching us, enabling us to, to know and understand and take to heart his word. So to pull this together, we're running the race of the Christian life. Uh, we're running in amongst this God-opposing world with its desires. We must remember the end point that, the, that this world is passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And so as God's people, do not love the world or anything in the world. Love God the Father. Remain in him. Remain in the truth that you have. Don't be led astray by some other path or be put off by others who in the end deny Christ. Remain in him. Remain in the truth that you have heard from the beginning. You have God's word and you have God's Holy Spirit to help you and to teach you his word. As we run, let's pray that we stay on course, that we'll not love the world, but love God the Father, that we will remain in him and in the truth of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.